Nikki Haley rips the Palestinians again at the UN. We'll get to that coming up. The media is imploding. They're having a meltdown after these Mueller 13 indictments of the Russians because every move that Mueller makes now, the media realizes that he's not going after President Trump at all. He's going after the Russians, the real culprits, the real bad guys. See, the media, they create this narrative for themselves and they like believe that everything that they want to happen happens. They have this agenda against President Trump. So Mueller must be digging up all this dirt on President Trump, waiting to pounce, waiting to impeach him and indict uh, all of his staffers and officials. And then when Mueller goes after the Russians, which is the obvious target, they wake, they have this wake-up call and realize, well, wait a second. The, there are Russians here as part of the Mueller investigation. This is a Russia probe after all. It never occurred to the media. And so what they keep trying to do is spin this and say, well, yeah, you're right. He went after the Russians and this looks like he's exonerating Trump. And they keep saying how it didn't impact the election and how President Trump's campaign uh, advisors and senior officials unwittingly cooperated with the Russians. But there's still a chance. There's still hope, folks. Now, the most amazing part is that this most recent indictment, Mueller uh, indicted this lawyer, this European lawyer who is an associate of Rick Gates. And by the way, when did Rick Gates become a campaign aide? Rick Gates was Paul Manafort's business partner. Now they're calling him a campaign aide because that sounds more incriminating to President Trump. But what does that mean, a campaign aide? Like, what did he do? Did he hand out flyers? So... This, this lawyer was was uh, this Alex Van something or other, Alex Vander something. He, 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 he was an associate of Rick Gates. Rick Gates, of course, was indicted along with Paul Manafort. And this has to do with Ukrainian lobbying stuff. This has nothing to do with Russian collusion or, or anything remotely related to President Trump. He, was, he lied to the FBI about his le the last time that he met with Rick Gates, last time he was in contact with Rick Gates. So they indicted him. So suddenly the media is speculating about how this is going to impact President Trump. You see, and, the, and they're saying, you see that the indictment of the 13 Russians, that's not the end of this. Mueller's exploring every angle, trying to connect it. And the reality is, there is no connection at all. I'm looking, I'm reading these articles, trying to figure out, well, what does it have to do? Because the, the media looked at this indictment, and it's like, this revives the story. You see that Mueller's not finished yet, and I'm hearing them say these absurd things, wondering, what's the connection? He just lied about when he last met with Rick Gates. This has to do with lobbying for some Ukrainian politician in 2012. It's a total nothing burger, total nothing burger. And get, But the mainstream media, they literally, it because here's the media's problem. They build this narrative. Everything has to fit into the narrative. So when they say, they ask, you know, hey, Bob, what is this latest indictment? How does this affect President Trump and the probe into collusion? So they can't say, well, actually, it, it doesn't. It, there's no connection whatsoever because that doesn't sound good. That's not what they're getting paid to do. And that doesn't fit their agenda. So instead, they say, well, this shows that Mueller is not finished yet. And they come up with a bunch of fluff and a bunch of silly nonsense that makes no sense because... They can't admit the fact that, well, actually, this has nothing at all to do with Russia collusion. It's totally incidental. They were interviewing the guy. You know, Mueller's going to pounce on anyone he could pounce on. It instills fear. It's justice, right? This guy lied to federal investigators. This is what happened with Scooter Libby. We told you that this exact thing would happen, that there'd be all these sideshows where people would perjure themselves and get indicted, and the whole thing just becomes like this big party like this big you know uh hate fest where they just indict people almost for the fun of it and the media goes to town and give credit to pbs pbs.org 
they actually got this right, which is rare. They said that this has nothing to do with the collusion investigation. The charge does not involve election meddling or relate to the Trump campaign's operations. Well, everyone else in the media, I've been paying close attention, claims that this does relate somehow to collusion. Now, look, just go, let's go, look back before we move on here for a moment at how this all evolved. After Mueller indicts the 13 Russians, the media was literally imploding, it, like totally deflated them. And that exonerates President Trump because it, it Rod Rosenstein confirmed that Trump campaign officials had nothing to do, at least willingly, nothing to do with these Russians who were indicted, and they didn't affect the outcome of the election. Trump won fair and square. So what did the media do at that point? They say, well, you see that the Russian uh, in Russian interference with the election wasn't a hoax after all, which President Trump, he never said that that was a hoax. He said his collusion was a hoax. But let's even let's even assume that they're right, that they that the media is right, that President Trump called it a hoax. OK, so good. Gotcha. Ha ha. President Trump. We got him. Maybe he didn't collude with Russia, but at least it wasn't a hoax. At least Russia did meddle, try to meddle with the investigation, try to interfere uh, with with I'm sorry, with the election. So the media, they're like trying to win. Okay, good. You're right. Russia did. They're, they're, this has been going on, by the way, for decades and decades, really for centuries, where uh, enemies will infiltrate their the other their enemy's country and try to influence the election, influence politics. This is not new at all. The United States does this all the time. Many countries do this. But all right, good. They're, they're right. So they got President Trump. Trump said Russia didn't interfere. He believed Putin. Ha ha, we gotcha. You were wrong. We were right. Okay, but President Trump still didn't collude. He still didn't do anything wrong. There's been almost a year's worth of investigating, which is totally down the drain. Taxpayer dollars, all the all the time and money and resources that they invested that could have been going to other better uses. So, and then the media says, well, maybe he still did collude, even though there's no evidence. And every direction now, Mueller's heading, it all points to the same thing. He's going after the Russians, who, who are the real culprits, behind the uh, election interference. And, 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 and as we've said, President Trump has nothing to do with it. So it's really getting desperate. Now, Peter Hasten, uh, he actually, Peter Hasten in The Daily Caller had a great piece talking about how the media now is second-guessing the Russia collusion story. And basically, you know, he outlines how step-by-step step the media is trying to backtrack. They're trying to save face because they spent so many months here on this narrative and now that they recognize that this whole thing is blowing up in their face, they're going to look really foolish. In fact, I think many of them, their jobs are going to be at stake yeah, because they've been pounding away at this for so long. And then it turns out to literally, literally be completely fabricated. How, how bad does that make them look? When you look at their archives, some of these journalists, and they've been writing about this for months. So he's a Politico magazine uh, editor-in-chief, Blake Hounshull said he confesses that he is now skeptical of the collusion conspiracy theory. His argument, this is great, and I'm quoting from Peter Hasten here, is that the Trump campaign was too inept to have successfully colluded with Russia without the public finding out. <laughs> See, he's got to spin it, right? He's got to make it anti-Trump, so he recognizes, wait a second, this story's down the drain, but he can't say that so instead it's all well, the trump campaign there's no way that they, they could never they're not competent enough to pull this off well what what have you been thinking all these months you suddenly woke up and realized that they're incompetent they're inept i mean like where have you been and then uh, peter hasten goes on to point out that really if you look months and months ago if you look at, at some of the mainstream media's own stories 
you would you you'd realize how absurd, how ridiculous and uh, unrealistic the whole collusion story is. The Times reported in May 2017 that Russian officials were discussing trying to find backdoor ways to influence President Trump. They tried to use Michael Flynn and Paul Manafort to influence President Trump through backdoor channels. doesn't make any sense. If President Trump was in, in cahoots with the Russians all along, then they don't need to start finding backdoor channels. They, they, they could have... Uh, they could have just called him on their special hotline that they had, uh, direct hotline with President Trump that they've had for years when they were, you know, threatening him and, and trying to blackmail him. And similarly, uh, in May of 2017, there were stories about how Jared Kushner, Washington Post, Post broke a story about how Jared Kushner uh, discussed with the Russians opening up covert challenges after the election because they wanted to discuss uh, Syria. They wanted to discuss certain things privately without having without going through official diplomatic channels which by the way is not such an unusual thing but the question is is after the election the question is if they were colluding before the election then why would they need to suddenly open back channels after the election and the new york times conceded again peter hasten in a december story emails that showed russian attempts to reach out to president trump's aide hope hicks appeared to undercut the collusion narrative this is the new york times great job peter hasten the new york times says in some ways, Russia outreach to Ms. Hicks undercuts the idea that the Russian government had established deep ties to the Trump campaign before the election. Because if it had, Russian officials might have found a better uh, entry to the White House than unprompted emails to Ms. Hicks. Basically, they're sending cold emails to a Trump to a Trump advisor to, to try to get to President Trump. I mean, according to the collusion theory, President Trump and the Russians had this direct channel back and forth for who knows how long. So... Give credit to Peter Hasten, and again, the media, as time goes on, they're realizing the inevitable, and they are going to have such egg on their face. They already do, but pretty soon, everybody in the country is going to realize this. Now, all right, Nikki Haley, this is awesome how she began her speech at the UN. She said, quote, I will decline the advice I was recently given by your top negotiator, Saab Arakat, talking to the Palestinians. She says, I will not shut up. Rather, I will speak respectfully but speak some hard truth. So, of course, Saeb, Erica, we told you about this, how a few weeks ago he got up at the UN and he said that Nikki Haley should shut up, basically. That's that's what he told her. I mean, astonishing that he talks that way to the United States' ambassador to the UN. So then she had very, very harsh words for the Palestinians. She said, you have two paths, She's talking to Mahmoud Abbas. She said, one path is hateful rhetoric and incitement to violence. The other path is negotiation and compromise. Here's here's the quote. You can choose to denounce the United States, reject its role in peace talks, and pursue punitive measures against Israel. Uh, she said, I assure you that path will get the Palestinian people exactly nowhere. But then she said, or you can choose to put aside your anger about the location of our embassy and move forward with us toward a negotiated compromise that holds great potential for improving the lives of the Palestinian people. So she's totally calling him out and saying, listen, we know what you're doing. You know, this, this propaganda war you have against the United States, you're resentful, you're angry, you're hateful because we want to move the embassy. Well, we don't care one bit. You know, we, we're trying to help you. You need us. We don't need you. Uh, now, Mahmoud Abbas also spoke at the UN and he said totally egregious lies. It, right there uh, at the UN, he said, quote, he quote, accused Israel of, quote, acting as a state above the law. And he called for an international peace conference by the middle of 2018 to accept the state of Palestine as a full U.N. member and make Jerusalem its capital. Quote, we are the descendants of the Canaanites that lived in the land 5,000 years ago, continue to live there to this day. 
So th this is it's a total falsehood. It's a total historical lie. They are not descendants of the Canaanites. The Palestinian people are not descendants. They're, they're descendants of Arabs. They did not live there 5,000 years ago. They, he's trying to claim the land, and he has absolutely no historical claim to the land. And, you know, again, the way he talks is such arrogance. He has no leverage whatsoever. You know, Bibi Netanyahu responded to this. He said, Mahmoud Abbas pays $347 million to families of terrorists who committed acts of terror. $347 million. And amazingly, we're still giving them funding in the United States. I mean, completely shocking, stunning that we still give them funds. But any, and, and, and he's perpetrating these lies and with his arrogance saying, uh, we, we want Jerusalem as our capital. We want to be accepted as UN state. You're nothing. You, you literally, you wouldn't exist if Israel and the United States didn't let you exist. And yet he speaks with this incredible arrogance, not realizing that he's completely irrelevant at this point. All right, President Trump has uh, mentioned that that he does support certain gun control measures. He does want certain stricter gun laws. He wants stricter background checks. And he also wants to ban bump stock. Bump stocks is this mechanism that you can use to turn a semi-automatic weapon into a fully automatic weapon, which is extremely dangerous. They could buy this bump stock and basically make a legal automatic weapon. It's pretty much a loophole. So President Trump has expressed his support for those two things, better background checks and a ban on bump stock. I don't think he has discussed uh, banning assault weapons. Now, amazingly, uh, 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 one of my listeners points this out. Great point. You know, the media has been propping up these kids, these kids who, were, who survived this uh, terrible massacre, this shooting, of course, in the school uh, in South Florida. And uh, the kids have this major, massive movement, that uh, gun control movement, that, that they're uh, trying to spread, this message. And look, they're getting a lot of media attention. They certainly deserve an enormous amount of sympathy. What they've been through is horrific. It's tragic. And my heart completely goes out to them. I have all the sympathy in the world. And look, if they believe in gun control as being the solution, I've told you, I don't think that's the solution here. But if, but I also think that there are certain measures like President Trump supports uh, that can be beneficial for everybody. But the point is the media is propping them up and they're like making them their opinion matter as though they're political experts, gun control experts, constitution experts, while President Trump hasn't responded to the demands of these students, of these survivors, they, they, they have points, they have opinions, and the politicians have to respond to their opinions, and the, the, the politicians owe it to them to, you know, to, to, to decide if they're going to support their position. I mean, folks, they're students. They're kids. They don't know anything about the Constitution. They don't know anything about gun control. This is an emotional reaction. I'm not judging them. And I even encourage them to protest. You know, they should do that because if they believe in something, they have every right to and certainly use this emotion and passion that they're feeling and trauma, use it to, to benefit society as best they see fit. That's all fine and good. But the media's got to get a grip. You can't give them credibility. You can't start quoting them as as though their opinion is actually relevant. You know, their their, their experience is relevant. What they've gone through is very important. But and, and and that should be brought to the conversation. Now now similarly, by the way, I'm not into making laws in response to any one incident, any one massacre. You know, there there have been unfortunately many massacres and it, it does seem like they're getting a, a little bit more frequent, which is scary, and everyone seems to be using these these AR-15s, these these uh, these very dangerous rifles. So we certainly should take all those factors into account. But it's like, all right, 
something bad happened. I mean, you knew that massacres could happen. They've happened before. The, the, we, we can't respond to this kind of thing with our emotions and say, all right, something happened. We're all terrified right now. We're all tra- traumatized, which the country is, certainly is, and should be. So now let's go pass laws a- a- as some kind of emotional gut reaction to that. It doesn't make any sense. The facts have not changed now from what they were a week ago, two weeks ago, or a month ago. So we have to do, if you think it's right, then we've got to do it. If you don't think it's right, then no amount of emotion should change that. And certainly 15, 16, 17-year-old kids should not be influencing politics uh, other than the fact that we sympathize with them and we want to do what we can to, to help prevent this kind of thing in the future, but not because they're experts and because their opinion actually matters politically. All right, I thought that was a great point. Uh, by the way, did you notice Bernie Sanders s- s- admitted that Barack Obama could have done more to prevent Russian interference in the election? Obama did nothing. And look, Obama, maybe he was in cahoots with the Russians. We know he gave the Russians control over uranium. We know that uh, there are other, uh, other things that he did to protect the Russians. Of course, he stopped... Uh, investigations into Hezbollah, and uh, that also w- did did help protect the Russians among amongst other enemies of ours, including Iran. So you know, Obama's hands have been very, very dirty. And Bernie Sanders himself said it. He said that uh, Obama could have done more to prevent Russian interference in the election. Is the mainstream media going to cover that? I haven't heard them discussing it very much. Now, uh, Obamacare. I want to tell you something interesting about Obamacare. President Trump is exploring and is working out ways to create health plans that are not restricted by the very, very uh, tight Obamacare restrictions. Of course, Obamacare insists that insurance companies have to give extensive, very, very comprehensive medical coverage, and it costs the insurance companies a ton of money, and that causes premiums and deductibles to skyrocket. That's why one of the reasons healthcare is so expensive, because of the very tight Obamacare restrictions on health care companies. So President Trump has figured out a loophole. There are short-term plans. Obamacare does allow for certain short-term plans. They were intended to be used in certain emergency situations, but there are short-term health care plans that are exempt from the Obamacare restrictions. And basically, insurance companies can offer these short-term plans, and they don't have to give as extensive coverage, and they're not bound by the restrictions, which means they can make the plans a lot cheaper because they're not going to cover as much. That's an option. So President Trump, now the trick is that these plans have to last for less than a year. Once it lasts a year, then it becomes a long-term plan, and then it's bound by the Obamacare restrictions. So uh, President Trump is looking for ways to basically expand this and to make a lot of different options uh, for these short-term plans and to make these short-term plans last just under a year. So in other words, you'll get the maximum amount that you can. It'll last almost a year. I guess after that point, person will have to switch plans or they'll have to figure some other option out. But the point is this at least give people options to have health care coverage that's much cheaper because, like I said, they're not bound by the Obamacare restrictions. The beauty of this is that you know President Trump... He's resourceful and his advisors are resourceful in finding ways to really get the most they can on their own. Because as we've seen and as we've told you, Congress just is asleep at the wheel, asleep at the switch. Other than taxes and Gorsuch, Congress has literally done nothing this past year, nothing. And of course, they failed to repeal Obamacare other than the individual mandate as part of the tax plan. Amazing that they even got that accomplished. So... The president's on his own. We've told you this. They won't fund the wall, Congress. They won't give him anything he wants. The president is on his own. 
Now, instead of blaming Congress, the president, he's always out to accomplish. He's always out to figure out a way. That's how he does things. He's a businessman. He doesn't just give up and say, all right, well, I'll blame Congress. I'll just blame people. I'm a politician. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm a businessman. That's his mentality. And I'm going to figure out a way. And he always figures out a way. He figured out a way to beat Hillary. Right, well, colluding with Russia, right? <laughs> Facebook ads. So that's the beauty of this is they obviously you know, researched uh, every aspect of Obamacare and said, wait a second, there's a loophole here. There is a way to make premiums cheaper. There is a way to make these healthcare plans cheaper. So we'll see, you know, how, how how far this can go. You know, this could really maybe affect a lot of people and lower premiums and deductibles for a lot of people. It could help the, help the insurance companies. This could help the whole healthcare industry depending on, you know, how successful this can be. So we'll keep an eye on that. And by the way, the Democrats, we're going to talk about this at a later show, but the Democrats right now are, are in fear of President Trump and the Republicans for the midterm election. There are reports, this is Politico, where the Democrats are blaming each other, they're blaming Nancy Pelosi, they're starting to realize that all the attacks on Trump and the impeachment talk and the collusion talk, it's all backfiring. The polls for the Republicans are going up big time uh, as far as Congress goes, plus the tax plan. None of the Democrats supported the tax plan, not, not a single one, and the tax plan is having tremendous benefits. The economy, job creation, I mean, there is so much right going on. Uh, because of, single-handedly because of President Trump uh, and the Republicans, even though they haven't done much. But you know they're, they're still associated with President Trump and, of course, the tax plan. So the Democrats, they're running scared. They're, they're, they're almost in chaos because they, don't, they can't agree about what approach to take. And a lot of them want to keep bashing Trump and keep talking impeachment, and they can't stand Trump. They almost rather lose then somehow give in to President Trump. So the Democrat Party right now is really it, it, almost in a state of chaos, and they're, they're like running around really, really confused over what the best approach is to take. And, uh, and a lot of them want, 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 want Nancy Pelosi out of power because they feel like she has damaged the party. I mean, look, she has under her watch. Look what's happened to the party. I mean, they, it's been a total disaster. They've lost election after election here these last few years. All right, and finally, Russia. Very rare admonishment against Tehran, against Iran. Uh, the uh, the Russians criticized Iran because uh, the Iranians ha have had this ongoing conflict with Israel, as we've been telling you about, literally day in and day out. And the latest were comments made uh, by an Iranian leader saying that he would wipe Israel off the face of the earth. He said, if Israel attacks Iran, we told you about the drone strike and then about the downed airplane. Well, the latest was one uh, one of the Iranian, one of the leaders of the Revolutionary Guard. He said to Israel, he said, if you try to mess with Iran, we're going to level you. We're going to wipe you off the face of the earth. Very strong words taunting Israel. And Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov actually rebuked him. Quote, we have stated many times that we won't accept the statements that Israel as a Zionist state should be destroyed and wiped off the map. I believe this is an absolutely wrong way to advance one's own interest. That was That's a quote from Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. So I'm not sure what's happening there. The Russians and the Iranians, of course, are allied, especially in the Syrian civil war, d defending Bashar al-Assad. And we know they have a strong relationship there when it comes to oil and business and a lot of areas. They help each other out. So what exactly, you know, what was the reason for this is a little bit mysterious. But, of course, we will keep an eye on that, as we always do. And that's going to do it for today. We thank you all for joining us. We will see you next time.